because we see imperfectly in mortality. Not everything is going to make sense right now. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. Whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Welcome back. This is the To Whom Shall We Go podcast. This is your host, Ryan Sorensen. Today, we have Jeff Roundy joining us. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Jeff, he has a really popular YouTube channel called Latter-day Saint Q&A. Thanks so much for being on, Jeff. Thank you. Good to be with you. So to get started, I'd love for you to share how you got interested in addressing some of these controversial issues relating to the church and how that eventually led to you creating your YouTube channel? That's a good question. Um, yeah. So, so the cha- the channel name, yeah, Latter-day Saints Q and a, um, and basically, um, I, I guess going back in time, you'd have to go back to my mission. I guess that, that's where the seed was truly planted. I served my mission in the Bible belt in the United States and, uh, you know, we got bashed a lot <laughs> and it was, it was tough. I mean, we had to do battle Now, this was like 30 years ago and it was a, I think it was a little different kind of battle than today in certain ways. But, um, but I remember, it, I remember coming across a pamphlet from another church one time and it said how to talk to the Mormon missionaries. That's what it was called. I'm like, what? This is crazy. Uh, but, but it was funny because one of the lines said, whatever you do, don't open the Bible with them. They're really well versed in scripture. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad thing. Like, why would you, why would you be afraid of that? Anyway, but yeah, but so, so we had, I had to defend the church a lot on the mission and, um, so it kind of has always been there. And I've just, I've just been so fascinated by, I, I love to just study. I'm just a, I'm a maniac on reading. If you went to my bookshelf or my book, uh, in fact, my bookshelf, I've got a 10 of them over here. But if you went to my bed, the nightstand, I've got 20 books at a time. I'm always reading and reading. I just love to soak it in. And um, the, uh, uh, and, and I love to study everything about the gospel, including challenges, you know. So, so I'm a big fan of, uh, Fair Mormon. And, um, so if your audience isn't familiar with them, they should get familiar. Um, so they're foundation for apologetic information and research, apologetics, defense of the faith. And so lots of great things there, but they have a conference every year. And I've been going to that for, uh, I, I don't know, 10 or 15 years and just, just loving that um uh atmosphere there and then i go to education week three weeks later it's a totally different experience but but uh, i love them both so when this happened was uh, a couple i think it was in 2018 i believe it was um we had for the first time fair mormon had a general authority come and speak it was elder uh pearson of the 70 and um he really threw out a challenge uh, and you're doing it right <laughs> it's it's, it's it, it, he he was asking members for help the online, you know, social media, um, YouTube podcasts, you know, to help defend the faith. Um, there, there, there's so, so much negative out there, um, in these different venues and channels is heavily skewed to the negative. And also he said, you know, members can do a lot because 
sometimes people won't trust it necessarily coming from the church, especially today. There's kind of like this negative connotation from the institution, if you will. And um, so there was this, uh, you know, he said, yours might not be as polished as the church, but it will be viewed as maybe more authentic even and, and very powerfully. Um, in fact, here's, I, I have this on my little trailer. This is one quote from his talk. He said, it is essential that members create and promote online content that effectively communicates what the church believes in clear, authentic, and engaging ways, especially on some of the most prevalent search topics. Access to understandable answers to critical questions and concerns can help correct misunderstandings about the church and remove stumbling blocks to faith. It can also level the playing field for the sincere truth seeker to find and recognize truth in a world increasingly hostile to faith. So um, it's tough out there. And, and a lot of times people say, oh, there, you know, there's, there's people, faith crisis and challenges. I don't know if they realize how bad it is elsewhere. You know, we're doing great, actually, relative to everyone else. Um, we're holding tight, even growing when uh, like the last decade, if you look at the Pew Research study, I did this in one of my videos, but about a 17% decrease um, in uh, uh, those declaring themselves as Christians in the United States. And it was about the same for Catholic and Protestant. So, and, you know, we're holding steady. So, um, but, it, but it's a secular age, very challenging. And uh, anyway, so, so that was, so when I heard that talk, I had something had been building up in me for the, like the last year before that. And I was just having these feelings and I had, I had certain words from the scriptures come to me um, in a prayer one time um, literally that strengthen the feeble knees and lift up the hands that hang down that, that scripture, uh, just hit me like a bowl. Like, wow. I mean, that's, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to help people, you know, in different ways, but, but that happened a little bit before that. And so anyway, my wife and I were, we were at lunch right after this talk had been given and, she, when that talk was going on, it was, it was like, you know, major, major uh, spiritual promptings were hitting me hard. And so I kind of knew, oh, I, gotta, I think I got to do something. And then my wife said, Jeff, I think you're supposed to do something. <laughs> and she said, maybe even YouTube, <laughs> you know, because, because he really said, you know, YouTube um, particularly was challenging uh, in the skewing, if you will, of negative to positive. And I'll tell you, as I did my project, I certainly found that out. Um, but uh, so I said, okay, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do this. I have no idea what I'm doing. And then as I started thinking about it, I started having kind of this, um, this feeling like this kind of sucks in some ways. Like the church, I love everything about the church. There's so much, there's so much powerful, so many powerful things we could talk about. I want to talk about that stuff, you know, too, but that's not what, that's not what this prompting is. You know, that the prompting is to defend the faith and, and, and address the criticisms. But I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I thought of this and I, this talk came to my head that I had heard at BYU uh, from Elder Holland. He spoke at the Chiasmus conference, the 50 year anniversary of the discovery of Chiasmus, which I did, I did a, um, uh, YouTube video on, but here, here was actually his talk there. He said, my testimony to you tonight is that the gospel is infallibly true and that a variety of infallible proofs supporting that assertion will continue to come until Jesus descends as the ultimate infallible truth of all. Our testimonies aren't dependent on evidence. We still need that spiritual confirmation in the heart. 
but not to seek for and not to acknowledge intellectual documentable support for our belief when it is available is to needlessly limit an otherwise incomparably strong theological position. We ought to be more assertive than we sometimes are in defending our testimony of truth. So that, that did it All right there. I thought, okay, I'm going to call it evidences. I'm going to call it the evidences series. I thought what I'm going to do every time I put out a video addressing a criticism, I'm going to do an evidences video <laughs> addressing powerful evidences of the restoration. And those were so exciting, but it doubled my work. I mean, it was just insane trying to do this. Cause I, you know, work full time, right? Regular job. You know, I've got, you know, a job that's, um, it's not a part-time job. And uh, um, this became a full-time job, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, probably um, in doing this. Sometimes I was so groggy doing the videos because I had been up until four or five in the morning um, because, you know, you, you, to, to do these videos, it was, it was quite stressful for a couple of reasons. One is you have to um, think of all the angles uh, in a sense uh, of attack on different topics. Um, you're not necessarily an expert on this. That's what I, I love what you're doing on here. You're, you're bringing on some great experts on different topics and things, but I'm trying to be a jack of all trades, right? Like an expert, deep expert on everything. I, I'm not. So I'm sitting there going, okay, I love this stuff. I know this stuff, but I got to get it down really solid. And I got to put together a nice PowerPoint presentation for different things, you know, so I mean, it was insane. Um, so I pretty much didn't have a life almost for two years. Um, so, but, but that, but the evidence has doubled up the work, but it was, it was a delight. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of a long answer, but that is how the project was created. What kind of a response has there been since you've came out with these videos? Well, it's kind of an interesting thing in the beginning it was probably a mistake, but I didn't know what I was doing at all. I was just clueless. I mean, I literally started with my iPhone and, uh, you know, I graduated to different things. I was trying to find places to do it in the house that would have a good background, settled on this desk uh, setting and anyway, upgraded different things. And, but it was never, it was never perfect, but um, the, uh, so I didn't in the beginning allow comments because I didn't want to. My point was, look, what I want to do is I want to create a library. It's just like saying, okay, instead of grabbing a book to study that, I want to try and understand why the critics attack us over this topic. But I don't want to spend all this time researching. I'd like to get the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> okay, the Reader's Digest summary um, given to me from a faithful Latter-day Saint. And then they can give me tons of resources down below if I want to go deep on the topic. But this way I can just get, you know, really um, without having to spend, you know, an enormous amount of time, I can give, get a, a pretty good grasp on it. So I didn't want to allow comments because I didn't want it to become about the comments or going back and forth in debate because there's lots of places for that online. I didn't want this to be one of them, but Two things happened. One, somebody told me I was screwing up the YouTube log or algorithm or whatever. They, they, they like you to allow comments, but I don't know if that's true. But um, the other is, I thought, well, it's Latter-day Saints Q&A. <laughs> so maybe I should allow comments because then I can, you know, people will have sincere questions. Oh, and what I didn't know is you can screen the comments. So I thought, okay, well, that that's a way I can go through. And, I, you know, it, it, 
if people have sincere questions and they want to ask me, I'm happy to do it. And then I love it because I set up a website that you can go to. That's how you reach out to me, right? You, yeah. Not, yeah. So you can go uh, and send me. So I get lots of um, uh, comments and people will send me things. I just had a, a guy a couple of weeks ago say he was getting baptized and uh, so cool. I wasn't the only thing, but he said it was a key component in his conversion process. Um, but, but they're able to reach out um, through, through those things. And so I'm glad I allowed that to do, but that that's been there, but it's always a little hard. I mean, some, some of the videos I, I in the beginning, I started going, I, I was like, okay, I got to keep these short, like under 10 minutes, you know, but some of the topics I started like, there's no way you can do this. And so I started letting him go longer. And then some of them were just, you know, really like pretty crazy. The book of Mormon evidences was an hour and 10 minutes the LGBTQ seeking understanding was an hour and 15 minutes. So those, those are my two longest ones. But um, so, uh, um, you know, the, when I would get those kind of longer videos or, or on a few of them, as they started going long, I tried to cram a lot into a, you know, a, a time frame I was trying to do. And so people would like, be like, Hey, slow down, you know? So uh, it was true. And I would say, Hey, you can, you can do a pay, playback speed adjustment down to 0.75 X and it's perfect. But anyway, you know, people would be critical of, of even just like the production quality. My, my, the video I did at the end, and I'm not necessarily done, done. If there's other issues that come up, I could certainly do it, but it was a, a kind of a defined, you know, set of topics in the beginning I wanted to cover. And I've done all that. Um, but I said at the end, I said, you know what, when you, when you look at the videos I did, they're not perfect. Um, remember that when you study these, these topics in church history and these different things, you know, do we expect perfection from everybody? And, you know, this, this is part of what Elder Pearson was talking about, I think, is, is hey, it's, it wasn't perfect. My audio wasn't, you know, the level of if you were in a recording studio, um, those kind of things. And so it is what it is, but, it, but, but, I, but it's, we can each do our part in contributing, I think. I don't have to yeah. And it could definitely be eye-opening. I remember when I first started my podcast, um, I remember I made like, at first my, my profile was a bit more public on Facebook and I made a post and I had all these people I don't even know, like commenting and like attacking my posts and stuff. So I'm like, okay, got to make my, got to make my account private next. I'm like, I'm going to talk to people in private and stuff, but I don't want to spend all day debating people on Facebook. So yeah. can definitely like relate to like kind of the hesitancy with comment sections and such. Um. A question I wanted to ask, so you mentioned in these videos, you you cover some of the evidences for the restoration. What are a few of those evidences? Well, the king of all, which was the sign of the restoration happened and is today. And it's so exciting as a missionary to say, don't trust me. Here's the experiment. And you hand them the physical, tangible book. The Book of Mormon. <laughs> so the create, but but what I love to focus on my favorite video of all on the channel is called Book of Mormon Match It. And so we go through all the complexities of the Book of Mormon um, there. And I have a whole separate video on Book of Mormon evidences that, that's an adjunct to that essentially. But this is focused really on the production. When people attack the Book of Mormon, um, a lot of times no nobody can answer how did we get it. You know, how do, how do we get, and, and you step back and say, um, 65 days with a third grade education dictation. 
And, and you think about, and I share in the video, 270,000 words, blocks of 20 to 30 words. Royal Skousen's got this on the original transcript now. So, and the order never changed. So, you, so and, and uh, Brian Hells gave this t- uh, presentation at Fair Mormon, and, and this was perfect. He says, you know what, we can use, we can use our cell phones today as a, an experiment of voice to text app. So just think of, of, of uh, voicing in a text, all right, with your voice. And then he says, do this. Let's do the, let's do the math. And I, and I put this right on the screen. It's 10,800 texts in a row. And here's the thing. You can change the spelling. You can change the grammar. But once you hit the send button, you can't change the order. Now, now just try to imagine that. I mean, I love, I love the fact that we, we were asked to read the Book of Mormon every day because in the back of my head, every day I'm like, this is the unbelievable witness of the restoration. The way that it came forward um, is so absolutely miraculous. Um, um, what's his name? Nibley, uh, Hugh Nibley. He said this comment, uh, it, it was, he, he was in a letter to his mom when he was in the war, actually. And he said, he, he, he predicted that there would be a day, the, the, the Book of Mormon was going to be like dynamite at a day when almost everything was gone. <laughs> and, not, and I don't know what, it, what he even meant by all that, but I'm kind of thinking, well, you know what? In this secular age today, people are questioning even the Bible when you do. I did two vid- you know, Old Testament and New Testament challenges. The New Testament ones, it was like, where are the originals, you know? And you start to do this documentary analysis and you're like, wow, you know, where's, can I exercise complete faith in this? You know, and I think, wow, in our day today, the, the, the Book of Mormon itself is the witness of Jesus Christ, you know, being resurrected and the reality of all this. So, so Book of Mormon match, I love that. And just the coming forth of the Book of Mormon. And then the witnesses, I, I just, I think... I almost wonder sometimes if God chose certain men knowing how hard it would be to face this. The fact, I think, think of Oliver Cowdery. That's my favorite because Oliver was the witness to the translation of the book. He's a witness of the priesthood. Well, I was just recently on a thing where we're talking about the, the, the authenticity of the priesthood restorations uh, narrative. Um, he was there. Um, and so, and, and the, uh, keys being restored in the Kirtland temple. You think of these things. And then when, when Oliver's excommunicated, what, 1838, I think, or 3738, um, he comes back the last 18 months of his life, but he's out, he's bitter. That's the moment right there. Think about it. Think about it. This is the moment he could say, you know what? This was a fluke. Joseph had the Bible with him. It was just reading out of it. You know, we were putting this all together. I mean, all these things, nothing. Nothing. In fact, you could, I've got a few different videos you can go in and see comments he made even when he was out. Like you can't deny certain aspects. And so um, it's pretty bad. And then David Whitmer never comes back. He's the mayor of his town, this totally honorable man on his deathbed 50 years later, testifies of the, the witness of the Book of Mormon, you know, in the coming. And, and they never deny their testimony. And you get these, these physical, tangible hefting of the plates, eight, and then three that see the angel. And then some say, oh, could they have been hypnotized? Well, then you say, well, we've even got this backup for that. Mary Whitmer, you know, so Joseph's not even there. Um, and she sees the angel and the plates. And I just think, wow, this is, this is, this is so cool. And the fact that these people apostatize, Sidney Rigdon sees the three degrees of glory, an hour long plus 
you know, witnesses seeing, having them see this, the three degrees of glory, section 76 in the upper room of the John Johnson home, all that stuff, you know, it's just incredible thinking about these witnesses um, that some of them, you know, had this period of apostasy, no denial. It's tough, you know, and one of my favorite videos was defending the Book of Mormon witnesses because it's, it's there. And then another video, video idea, um, evidences video was, um, what was it called? How could they have all lied? And I, I, lo- I love that, that thought. And it was based on this uh, Desert News article that D- uh, Daniel Peterson wrote, because he saw this person holding up this sign coming out of General Conference that said, Joseph lied. And he thought, you know what? It would have to have been a lot more people than Joseph when you start to think about it. And so that was kind of my video. I was like, think about all these people that had these divine, miraculous experiences um, there. I, I was just reading yesterday an Insight article that because it was part of a video that I'd done. But but even uh, Heber C. Kimball and Brigham Young, on the day that the plates were taken out of the hill, they actually recorded they had a vision in the sky of a battle going on between two armies up in the sky um, there. And I actually talk about in the, in one of the videos, uh, an aspect of that, that's kind of interesting, but this was on Rosh Hashanah. Uh, it, it was on the Jewish um, new year and they blow a horn. Think of the trumpet, think of Moroni. They blow a horn to signal, signal the um, future gathering of Israel and the coming of the Messiah. And that was the, Joseph never even talked about this. I don't think he even knew that there was this special significance of the very day that he takes the plates out of the hill that he's told, right? He doesn't pick that day. He's told that is the day you're to take them. Anyway, so, sorry. Okay. Well, uh, did you want, do you want me to give a few other examples? And I won't go detail, but just some examples from evidences videos. Yeah. Feel free to give a few more. I think this is great. Okay. I'll just get, and I, and I can just give kind of like the titles really quick, like things that I, uh, yeah, that'd be great. Heavenly mother. That was an exciting one. Archaeologists yeah. today are discovering all these things. Uh, most of the Christian world is, is, is a, in a little bit of a dither because there's becoming more and more evidence that the ancient Israelites, especially the earliest believe that God had a wife. And so do we, you know, so, so it, it's, it's really exciting. So I talk about that a lot in that heavenly mother video. Um, in fact, I hold up a book called, did God have a wife? And they, they've got the, all these archeology span things. So um, the Messiah bin Joseph, this ancient restorer uh, that was to come before. So it, I wish it was had a different name because people think it's something to do with the Messiah. It's not, it's just, this is the, the preparer that, that was to come before the Messiah they call him Messiah ben David, comes in all his glory. It's this ancient Hebrew tradi- tradition and this phenomenal um, tracking that you can do of Joseph's life and a-, a lot of these things with the MBJ tradition. Very fascinating. Joseph Smith, the science seer. <laughs> that was a fun one. And that was Dr. Lamb at, at uh, BYU. Um, he's retired now, but he has a great class at Education Week, but he just wrote a book on this. And so it was kind of a book review, but I really went into all, all of these scientific things that are in the revelations from Joseph that he really himself didn't have a clue about either. And we didn't either until recently. And science is catching up with all of these different things that are fascinating and how they tie. Now you can go back and look at those verses and some of the doctrine and covenants and say, Whoa, wow. That's kind of, kind of fascinating. So I call them the science seer. Um, Joseph Smith prophecies fulfilled. So we did, I did a separate one, of course, on the war prophecy, it's fascinating to think of that um, Philadelphia newspaper that put in there um, 
did we have a prophet among us? Um, they actually c- quoted the <laughs> Joseph's prophecy. That was that was in the middle of the Civil War, um, but they're they're quoting it there. And, and uh, um, what was some recent studies? I thought it was interesting because just a couple of years ago, the greatest fine given in all history, $250 billion for conspiring men in the last days. And these are the tobacco companies. And they all had to admit and, and public, publicly acknowledge that they knew all along. And I, I actually show in the recording them in front of Congress saying each one of the heads of CEOs of the tobacco company saying, no, we don't No, I don't believe nicotine's addictive, you know, and then, and then it turns out, no, they absolutely knew. And they were trying to, to, um, you know, uh, uh, Jerry rig the, the, uh, cigarettes to be, uh, particularly addicting and they knew how it worked and all of this, we learn they were conspiring. Um, so it's kind of, kind of fun to see, you know, see that kind of stuff. Um, miracles in early church history. That, that was a fun one. That's had a lot of traction on the channel, just little tiny miracles. Like the one where, where Henry Ballard is delivered a newspaper, um, but by his daughter and two people are walking by the house. They give, uh, them a newspaper and say, can you give this to your dad, Henry Ballard? She takes it into the house and it, it ends up having all of these names that he's able to have of deceased ancestors um, printed in his hometown back in England. And it, here's the thing, the date of it was three days earlier. And there's no way back in 1884, that paper could have arrived in Logan, Utah um, in three days. Elder Ballard wrote an article because it's his relative. He he went to literally to the paper in the in the um, over in, in England and wrote about this in in the Ensign in 1987. Um, that hey, there's no record of them ever um, mailing something out early back you know in in those times and and that it was absolutely physically impossible for that to have happened. So who knows? It's just kind of again fascinating things. Pre mortal life. I love that that the whole idea of um, that the, it's obviously in the Bible or the early Christian fathers all believed it. Not a single Christian today believes it. And the reason why was there was a Roman uh, emperor that declared it a heresy, not, not, the, not the leader of the church, but he pressured the Pope to declare it uh, as heresy in 543 AD. <laughs> That's when it happened. Okay, so that's why everybody today doesn't believe it. But go back to the original. There's one group that does believe it. Okay, so that's us. So that's it's just fascinating. Again, I did a video on restoring original Christianity and talking about the the God today that we see as God so different from the Greek philosophy God, right? Especially the the Westminster Confession of Faith, which Joseph would have been, uh, you know, the the Protestant heavy uh, focus. No body parts or passions. You know, and, and you think about what, what maybe was the most offensive to God was passions. We learned that God weeps, right? Just the opposite um, uh, on there. Um, so some of those things, explosions of light after 1830, I show a really cool chart and say, why, why was it right around that time? And people say, well, because of this or because of that. And I say, yeah, but why then? Why they keep asking why? Why then? And it was this Joseph or the um, Joel prophecy. So I, so I talk a lot about that. Who can be saved? The, solving the Christian dilemma. Christopher Stendhal, he was the Harvard, Harvard um, divinity. Um, uh, he was the dean of the Harvard Divinity School, and he was the head of the Lutheran Church in Sweden. 
He talked about holy envy and he defended the church when we were trying to build the, the temple in Sweden. And he talked about holy envy and he says, you know what I have holy envy for, for the Latter-day Saints is baptism for the dead. And you see it in the Bible. There's something there. There's something there. You know, it's really, really quite fascinating. He's a holy envy and it solves the Christian dilemma, right? It's this huge challenge. Like, but, but what of that tribe in Africa that never heard about Jesus Christ? How can they actually be saved if belief in Christ before death, because that's the end for them, you know? So just, oh, I love it. Um, tithing. We talked about tithing and how it's this biblical principle. Um, I show the stats in there. 79% of active members versus 4% of active Christians in, in, in the United States. So I show where all that data comes from. But it's, but again, by their fruits, you shall know them. Look at the actions. You know, do you remember that talk that... Um, Oh, who was it? It was the uh, presiding bishop, Bishop Kaze, gave about it, trying to build the Paris temple. And the mayor uh, said, hey, before we give you credit, we're going to study for a month your church, you know, and analyze the heck out of it. And then we'll make a decision. And after a month, they literally said it's the closest to Christ's original church we can find ever, you know. But a lot of it was observation of the people. That's really interesting. Um, so I, so I love that when you think of tithing. Um, I did one on volunteerism, just meaning service. There was this huge study by the University of Pennsylvania that showed the saints spend nine x nine times the average number of hours versus um, the average active Christian out there. Um, very interesting. You know, you think about the time we spend in our callings and the the consecration we give over time. Though I uh, did the one on welfare. It was crazy. Missionary program, you think peak self-interest years, and we ask them to pay their own way. Like, where, you know, where does that happen in the world? And the welfare thing, by the way, I wish I would have put something on there from um, this Muslim leader that recently came to to Temple Square and was was touring before the uh, construction stuff. But um, he said, we need, we need the Muslim world to see what you're doing here. It's unlike almost anything in the world. Everyone needs to be doing what you were doing here. It is incredible. You know, and so just these are, again, by their fruits, you shall know them and looking at some of those things. So th- those are some of, um, you know, my, my favorites uh, on the channel. Oh, I did. I skipped um, to a uh, book of Enoch discoveries, which is kind of fun, especially when you look at uh, in the book of Moses um, and compare to specifically, I really targeted the discoveries from the Dead Sea Scrolls because they were so far after Joseph Smith. And then you see all of these things like uh, terms like lad or wild man and these different things and, and different t- correlations. You're like, wow, there's a lot of interesting connections here that Joseph no way could have known. Um, and then ancient temple rites restored was another one I did um, that, that, yeah, it's got a ton of 60, 70,000 views or something, but a really exciting one to just look at a lot. I I didn't go, you know, I, I knew where, where the limits were there and didn't cross any lines of what we shouldn't talk about, but went through a lot of really fun things there. So anyway, that's, so those are a lot of my favorite of the, um, evidences. Yeah, those are all super interesting. And I think the thing that evidences can really help us with is I think sometimes as, members of a church, we can get acquainted with maybe a lot of like the imperfections of our leaders and different complex issues and stuff. And I think that can lead to a lot of doubt. But I think some of these evidences can kind of make us lead us to doubt our doubts and kind of put us in more of a position where our heart is still softened, where the spirit can actively work through us. I agree. Um, 
So I guess the next question I wanted to ask you is with this podcast, one of my big goals is to help people that may, that may be in a faith crisis right now and struggling with the church. What is some different advice that you would give to those that might find themselves struggling right now with the church? Well, I love what you're doing and I would suggest listen to your podcast, watch my videos, um, those kind of things. But, but I, but I will give you some concrete things. So, so be patient, be patient. You know, there's this, I, I, I did, I did a, a video um, on tactics critics use. And then I did another one. Well, I won't, I won't get into all these, but my, my point is that sometimes there's this big list attack of all these things. And it's so overwhelming, like, Oh no. And, and it's the sheer quantity that, that freaks you out. Like, uh, uh, and then they'll say, Oh, if only 10% of this is even right. You know, it's that kind of thing. So um, be patient and know that people that understand the stuff inside now are still very faithful members of the church. So ask yourself why, why, and, and say, okay, I'm going to try and get to the bottom of these things and understand, understand these things. That's why I, I do like having the, if, especially if you're younger, sometimes you like the videos more. Um, it might be our generations, it's uh, less studying of books, you know? And so it, whatever the format is that works for you, but spend time. Um, in fact, the, the title I get of one was um, why I didn't do a video on the CES letter. CES letter is one of those big list attacks of all these things. Here's what's wrong with the church. Um, and the point of that video, some people got confused by the title. The point of it was you can't do a video on that. You, my whole channel was that. That's the point is like, guess what? If you want to really tackle all this stuff, you need to take the time one by one and go through them. You know, it's easy to spew out a whole bunch of stuff, but you need to take them one by one and go through them. Now, as you're doing that, here, here's some really key advice I would suggest. Number one, uh, well, versus, you know, be, be patient. Know you're going to take some time. Join a community of faith that is supportive in this environment. And, and the one leaps and bounds is Uplift. Uplift Community of Faith on Facebook. Phenomenal, like 3,000 plus members. And they're there non-judgmental to help people going through faith crisis. And many of them are people that are, have recovered through a faith crisis and they share it, it is. If you read some of the stuff in there, it is, it is beautiful um, and non-judgmental. And people feel sometimes like in the past, there was no place they could go or talk to somebody and maybe in their ward or whatever. This is a place where you can do it and kind of vent uh, here. Here's where I'm struggling. Help me, you know, kind of thing. So having that community of support um, here's a big one. Think of this as an experiment that you're going to do. So as you do that experiment, two key things, whatever you do, keep your covenants during this time. I think this is something we don't talk about a lot. And, and I, and, and I want to be so careful because I'm not, I don't want to judge people saying, Oh, it's because you're sinning. That's not, that's not it. I've seen this way too many times and no, I know that it's not that but what I'm saying though is be very, very careful. Because I think what sometimes can happen is you let your guard down during this time and you start sinning, if you will, and you lose the spirit. And you're not able to have that same judgment that can come from the Holy Ghost to that degree. So keep your covenants during the experiment time. So that's really, really important, I think. Um, and then study the evidences simultaneously. That's why I love doing those on the, the videos on the evidences and say, okay, I'm not just going to say these at the same time, 
I am going to be considering all these evidences too of the restoration at the same time. By the way, that's what I love about your, your podcast name. It resonates so much with me, that story. And like, if you start studying everything that's out there, holy cow, where are you going to go? The richness of the doctrine. It, like Joseph said, it tastes good. It tastes good to me. And it's so, it's so powerful um, compared to, compared to the, what you'll find out there. Um, and then think of um, the assumptions that you may be making. A lot of my videos talk about like, what are the assumptions that we may be making about some of these things that if you change that assumption, all of a sudden this issue might even completely go away just like that. Just understanding, maybe I've, I've got these faulty assumptions I built up about some of these things um, on there. Um, Elder Corbridge's talk given at BYU, uh, Lawrence Corbridge, greatest devotional given in history, in my opinion. Well, there was one better, Tag, Tag Collister on the Book of Mormon, um, but, uh, but this is almost tied with it, okay? But he talks about the primary questions and the secondary questions. And it's just so beautiful. And just, just hearing the way he describes this and explains it. And he talks about how these secondary questions are endless in some ways. But even if you answer those, they don't necessarily answer the primary questions. If you answer the primary questions first or really focus on those, the secondary questions might even change the way you view them or look at them or answer them or understand them. So focus a lot on that primary question. And people, hey, oh, don't just tell me to go pray or to study the book. Or, you know, do these different things. Well, it's seeking, seeking those powerful answers to, to critical questions um, there as well that are the primary questions that really do matter a lot more than the secondary. Um, and then think about um, some of these things that are very, that some of the things I started out with the Book of Mormon itself. How did we get it? That talk from, from, Elder Holland's like uh, cemented in my mind where he talked about people that leave the church, they, they, they got to go over or under the book. You, you can't, you know, going through it, that aspect of it, that it's always there. It's that tangible witness. And so be thinking about that, thinking of those witnesses, start thinking about some of the things that I, a lot of times in the videos, what I'm trying to do is talk about things logically with reason, hopefully, because we're told that we'll, we'll understand this and learn it in our, in our mind and our heart. So I can't really do the heart. That's the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is the mind too. But I'm trying to help to say, look, give place in your mind for this logically. And then you can get the witness from the Holy Ghost at the same time in the heart and have that powerful witness. Um, so those, those would be my best recommendations for a faith crisis um, there. Yeah, I think those are super, super helpful. I love the idea of we need to be keeping our covenants because some of these things, I think, sometimes I think the Lord allows for complexity. So that there's kind of a necessity for revelation. And I think sometimes these kind of this complexity can kind of lead us to searching the Lord and really developing this really close bond with him. So I do think that is super important. And I love the idea too, of just like really holding on to the book of Mormon on um, a few weeks ago for one of my interviews, I interviewed Brian Hales and something that stood out to me is he, he was doing really in-depth research on polygamy before other people were doing that. And a lot of people were worried about like, they were worried he's going to fall away from the church as he did this. But he told me that he had a testimony of the book of Mormon and that's kind of what helped keep him strong as he was 
looking at basically every every document about polygamy. So I think yeah. holding to the Book of Mormon is so important. I agree. Well, and it can even happen if you, well, I won't get into the details, but you might want to check into Don Bradley and hear his conversion story. He was Brian's, uh, one of his uh, research assistants uh, there, and he was outside the church at the time, but he's studying polygamy. <laughs> he ends up, ends up coming back. This conversion story is pretty cool. He to, I think he told it at Fair Mormon. I think that's where I heard it, but um, it's pr- pretty fascinating uh, there. But yeah. And I, and also I think, you know, people, I don't know if they ever really stop and step back and say, you know what, God, we're, we're supposed to walk by faith here. And the way God seems to be orchestrating this is I always think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing. If you think about in the world, right. Of anything that is the most important. There is not a shred of real evidence that you can prove that, right? And so think about it. Now, could God figure out a way to make that absolute proof? Absolutely. There are ways he could do that. And, but it tells us how God works. He could, leave, he could have left the gold plates here, right? He took, he took it back. He could have made sure that there was originals of the, the original gospels instead of copies of copies of copies that now are, are creating faith crisis for Christians everywhere um, as they try, as they really kind of learn how the Bible was created. Um, so all these types of things, um, there, there doesn't seem to be these smoking guns. And it's interesting because that's how God seems to work is to have, he wants us to walk by faith, but it does seem like there are all of these things that then God puts out there in the path to help to solidify faith, not to, to necessarily um, uh, uh, prove things, but it's kind of like um, divine fingerprints, just like today. What, what would we need the most? Think of that, the coming forth of the Book of Mormon. That's what I was kind of trying to say. This is a great example today where you're just sitting there scratching your head saying, it doesn't make sense. How on earth did this happen? <laughs> you know, when you look at that, so... I love that. Thank you. The next question I have is, what does the gospel of Jesus Christ mean to you? Well, uh, that's, I mean, how, how can I possibly really answer that except to say everything uh, on a daily basis? It's, it's, it's your entire uh, life. And, but it brings so much, the, the word that comes to my mind when you say that is joy, absolute joy. And I just love, love our doctrine and the feeling of God being our actual father. You know, Christians don't really believe that. They believe it metaphorically. We believe it literally, you know, like our, our spirit father. I mean, and, and um, the, 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 the power of eternal progression and this thought of, you know, millions of years of basically just sitting there, uh, I don't want to say playing a harp, but this feeling of like, this feeling, now we don't know any details, right? But just this feeling of knowing eternal progression and eternal families, that sealing power uh, after, after life is just, it, it, it is so amazing. And then the peace of the word, of, of the actual scriptures that so many times I've had answers to prayers. You know, John 14, 26, Christ says, uh, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So 
And then the very next verse is the one that says, peace I, leave, peace I leave with you, not not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How those, those words are just, to, to me, uh, resonate daily in my soul um, and bring so much peace um, there. So um, it just, it, and, then, and then just understanding that, that there's a purpose to life. You know, that, that whole thing that, you know, at the end of the day, every person, if they're being honest, they have to stop and say, and look up in the sky and say, what's going on? <laughs> you know, this is, this is just, was this a total accident, a total fluke? But then you hear how the odds, like how possibly could this, you know, uh, essentially not have the uh, a creator behind this, even if he's using evolution to do it, this, this aspect um, of our creator. So, so when you look at the miracles, uh, there, Dr. Lamb talks about our bodies being the greatest miracle in the universe. And he talks about some of the aspects of that. Um, but just having that, that piece of knowing um, that there's a purpose to life. Um, there's commandments to bring us peace and joy in this life and life to come. And then a savior who draws us to God, right? That sacrifice that we have so much love and passion and, um, that the way this is all set up, that the, the Islam says, no, this doesn't even make, why, why would a God have to sacrifice a son? You know, they don't, they don't see that. Um, I think it's this, this majestic love and beauty that brings us to him. And then these commandments are set up to bring us peace and joy, but it also can bring pain because when we fall short, but then we grow to love God even more. I just love the majesty of the plan of salvation. It is so fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I just, I can just tell you have that love for the doctrine. And I think as our viewers, as they, as they watch your videos, they will see that. And I just really appreciate your, your words. Is there any last um, words of wisdom or advice you'd like to give our, our viewers before we close? Well, one thing I would say maybe in closing is this term inoculation. So one of the challenges I think are, you know, the church um, is taking a little bit of a hit, I think, on, on something just saying, hey, why didn't, why didn't we talk about some of these issues or things that struggle pe people struggle with in, in church history or things in, in greater depth before? And I talk about that in, in one of my videos called Why Did I Learn This in Church? But there, you know, there was kind of this focus on this faithful, and it was it was everybody back in the 19th century. That was kind of the focus was to focus on, you know, kind of the 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 best parts of your story, and and, and any warts you you don't focus on those. So then those become perpetuated, right, for for decades and decades, and build up and, and those kind of things. And and also, I sometimes I say, you know, if if you were if you were choosing the curriculum for a class that was 40 minutes long and your goal is to bring people to Christ. And that's the, the focus of that hour or that 40 minutes at church. You know, what, what, are, how are you going to design this? And so I kind of have that empathy and, and uh, my heart goes out and some of those things. So, so I see it on both, both, both ways, but, but today because of the internet, um, the attacks are so different than on my mission 30 years ago. Right. So it's on, in your face all the time. Um, the way it is today. And so, and we have this sec these crazy secular trends pulling everyone away from religion anyway. And we're not, we're not, um, you know, we're going to have challenges with that um, as well. Um, and so, so inoculation um, in a sense of saying, okay, 
I want to understand this myself. And, and inoculation is a little scary because when you inoculate, some people do get sick. Um, and so you can create a faith crisis. You know, some people have, have had faith crisis reading off of the church website, the gospel topics essays, for example, or saints, whatever. But the church now they're saying, look, we we're, we're, we want to make sure everything is very out there and clear with all this Joseph Smith papers, gospel topics essays, saints, all this stuff, revelations in context. Um, but when I say inoculation, my, my thought is, as an example, I would challenge you to watch all the videos on my, on my YouTube channel. And that, that way you could, you could really get familiar with every little aspect of all these things. Um, but also understand faithful answers that, that are there. And then um, be aware so that you can help people and, and direct them um, to those resources um, that are there or produce it yourself if you want to, but, but be aware of what's out there and be able to direct people. And, and the last thing I, I did this on my, my, my last video, which is called personal reflections. I share from elder Ballard and he talked, he even talked about our curriculum. He says, though, well-meaning it didn't prepare us for the challenges today. And he even talks about this inoculation aspect and things and in studying and going in depth uh, on these things. So, I think it's kind of a new era in some ways to, to maybe say, okay, well, actually, why don't we talk about some of these challenges and get, get to the bottom of them. And then, you know, it's kind of like this thing. I think, wow, we kind of go through this thing and everyone's going to come on the other side. Uh, the, the vast majority, I think even better through that, you know, um, the Havens talk about that in their book, uh, Faith is Not Blind. And you come out on the other side so, so much stronger, I think, having gone through that. So inoculation would be my last comment. Yeah, I love the idea of inoculation. I think oftentimes with kind of the, the information age, my generation, I feel like, and younger than me, like we'll, we'll go to our parents, we'll go, we'll go to our grandparents for answers and such. And I feel like because these things weren't talked about as much in the past. There's kind of this, this issue there that leads to a lot of people falling away. But I think as we right now, as we educate ourselves, I think the next generation won't have that problem as much as my generation has had. I agree. That's my feeling. Well, thank you so much for being on Jeff. We really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. It's fantastic. This has been the To Whom Shall We Go podcast. We'll see you next time.